All systems All systems go. are go. The system is down. The system. Um, yeah. What system? We don't know. We, we, um, is there a system? We don't know. The, uh, the, what is it? I can't even think of, like, any of the bodily systems. The because, like, reproductive my... system. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's where your mind goes, Erin. Very nice. Reproduction. Um, reproduction. <laughs> Grease too, ladies and gentlemen. Grease too. Oh my goodness, I blocked Grease too no. from my memory. She. All I remember is that Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. That's that's all I know. And that she needed a cool, 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 cool writer. Ooh, of course she did. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yes. Uh, perfect. Uh, how are you, Aaron? And how are you, listeners? I am. It's excellent. How are you, Rhonda? It's. It's a new year. It's a new year. Uh, but same old me. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing. No. I'm following Billy Joel's advice. Yes. <laughs> Don't go change it. Don't go change it. Also, um, stay golden, pony boy. So stay golden. Your hair is golden. <laughs> Um, my hair is not golden i don't know it has where why you would think that it has glints of golden um, in it and it's, it does that's it's true fabulous. it does have glints of gold. even if it were in golden you could say that it's golden <laughs> and that it's fabulous anyway golden girls go oh rest in peace <laughs> our friend betty white oh betty yeah that was like 2021's final i know blow like you think you thought 2021 was gonna be better than 2020 guess what no gonna take a beloved television icon that's fine although part of me is like let the woman rest it's been a while yeah you know she had she had a great life she did like it's yeah it's a it's yeah circle of life we have taken all that we can from this life life. yes (laughs) honestly yeah anyway yes (laughs) not to bring this down no um 2021 what a year what a year (laughs) what a year the great gatsby entered the public domain nice uh yeah that happened wow it did so we got all of the you know great gatsby retellings in in books yeah um yeah we are farmers gonna talk about we are farmers <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> we are gonna talk about some things that we enjoyed in 2021 some things and stuff that we liked some things and stuff and perhaps some items oh and some items basically as well well we can say nouns Nouns, mm-hmm. per- people, places, and things. And, and I like people, places, people, places and, and things. things. <laughs> I like how we both know exactly uh-huh. what we're talking about, but we haven't named what it is. No. So anyone who's not familiar with it is like, what the heck? To quote that song, if you don't know me by now, then you'll never know me. If you don't know the <laughs> reference, then I'm not going to help you. Okay. <laughs> I like that attitude. Bringing, I like this. I'm bringing. I some, like this, Aaron. I'm bringing some sass into 2022. Let me tell you, I love sassy Aaron. <laughs> sassy Aaron's my favorite. <laughs> She's also been called judgy Aaron, but yes. <laughs> what is judginess but sass with its work boots on? 
you're my hero. That is the best <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, want- I just came up with that. That was off the dome. I was just... Mm. You know, I would like, that happens sometimes. I would like for that to be in one of those cross-stitch wall hangings. <laughs> I think that's delightful. You can put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I think you're a genius. That's so funny. Anyway. <laughs> uh, if I'm a genius, why am I poor? Anyway, uh, let's well, yeah. talk. That's <laughs> America. Gosh. America. Let's talk about <laughs> 2021. We <laughs> Oh no. Yes. And we don't really have a plan for how we're going to do this. No. We we both have our lists of our favorite mm-hmm. media, so like favorite books, TV and movies, and some music too. We put some music in there too. Um from 2021. So should we just like dive in? I have, do, do you want to Oh, go for it. I have an opening question for okay. you. Okay. Yes, 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 please. Is there a general theme that you were kind of seeking in the media you collected for yourself this year was there like Mm. I want to learn about this or I want to think about this or gosh that's really cool no nice good good (laughs) there I wouldn't say that there was a theme in what I sought out but if there was a theme that emerged in the things that I really connected with I think it was like and this is so like broad and general, but I think it was uh, like the idea of like identity and self and in a way, in, in ways like reinventing oneself or choosing how you're going to present yeah. oneself uh, seemed to be themes in the things that I connected with this year. I love that. As I look over my list. What about you? Um, Dragons and processing failure. Dragons. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And processing failure. That's great. And not even like. I like that. Not even like failure, but just like processing. The... Disappointments. Right. Or, mm-hmm. okay. or like a lot on my list. There's a lot of people like working to make the best out of a situation that is awful. That kind of thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also like dragons. <laughs> of course. Yes. Like what is yes, what is a year without dragons? I frankly don't want to know. I don't even want um, to find out. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um so do you want to just dive in and start talking about one of your one of the things on your list here? Yeah, or if you want to start, I don't either way. You could you could go first. Go for it. Okay. What was I want to hear about Arcane actually. Okay, can you, I can start ahead. with Arcane. Talk about that. that was definitely I don't really have an order to mine, but um so yeah. Arcane is fantastic. Um mm. Arcane is Gosh, how would you even describe? It? Have you seen any of the promos for it or anything? Uh, yeah, like I know what it is. Okay. It's based on League of Legends, right? Based on League of Legends. Um, Imagine Dragons. And it's an animated, yeah, an ima- animated series. Yeah, yeah, it's like animated. Um, it looks a lot like a video game, and it looks like mm-hmm. the most expensive video game you've ever seen like it <laughs> there was so much money thrown at this thing in like the best way so it follows um 
in League of Legends, there is there is not character development really. It's just well, kind no, of, because it's a video game. Yeah, it's just kind of. I special. mean, not that not that you can't have character development in a video game, but it's very rare. I I would say if it's not like a role playing game, if it's this type right. of fighter game, you get details. You get like. The artwork does a lot of that work, and it's um, really interesting. But your character is not going to have, like, psychological development um, in, in a game like, like this. Like a Witcher, <laughs> like a role-playing game, sure. like one of the Resident sure, sure, Evils, sure. all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> so Arcane follows three children who are in this apocalyptic world, trying to fend for themselves um, and learning through um like this war-torn futuristic society um how to survive in the world and spoiler alert it is not easy to do and it's not <laughs> like no one's happy um but the whole thing is beautifully drawn i think it was one of the most expensive budgets for a drawn um or like a animated future realist future society you know what i'm it's like it's it's very expensive and um dystopian yes it feels like it picks up where things like attack on titan left off it feels like okay that's what i was thinking as you were describing it i was like this sounds like attack on titan like yeah that's not just me (laughs) or like if katniss everdeen had access to punk rock colors for her hair and she like because there's like, or Alina Starkov. Exactly. Yeah. There's <laughs> like they learn how to make weapons just from things they find on the street in a way that's very similar to how they do in the Hunger Games or how Katniss Everdeen might have created um something out of nothing um from District Twelve. And you get three time skips through throughout it all. So you get you meet them you meet the two centralized sisters when they're young children when they're like in their teenage years and then when they're early adults and kind of how one Mm. chooses one chooses um to kind of work to help others and one has been so traumatized by the experiences that she had that she makes bad choices but it's really interesting Mm. like psychologically it's like looking at how two people um exist in this traumatic experience and what they manifest and how sometimes you can make it out and sometimes you really can't and it's really Mm. good sometimes like the trauma gets you you know so yeah it's it's a really real discussion of that too i think and then you all you also get like other individuals who are struggling to lead a broken society um and struggling Mm. to do good in spite of all of the circumstances of just a, a really big disparity between who has money and who doesn't. And even when you have money, there's still toxic systems in place. So mm. yeah, it's really, really sure. good. <laughs> <laughs> this Some elements of this are sounding to me a lot like Station Eleven, which is one of my picks for favorite works of the year. Um, So Station Eleven is a series on HBO Max that is based on a book. Um, The book is from like 20, 
2014, I want to say. I think I own 20, it. 2012 to 2014, somewhere in there. Uh, it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, books, honestly. And the series is very good as well. So it's also like a post-apocalyptic yeah. landscape um, but we have – it's really interesting in terms of, like, the chronological narrative structure um, because we have, like – really, we have, like, three different timelines going on. So we have, like, 20 years after this huge virus, like, swept through the world and killed, like, 99% of the world's population. Wow. Um I write. I reread the book in March of 2020 because oh. I, you know, was was uh, yeah, very interesting. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, 20 years later, we're following um, this main character who, you know, like most of humanity is gone, but like the survivors have kind of started to form these little communities again. And the main character is a part of this group called the Traveling Symphony. And they travel around to all these little communities in uh, what the Great Lakes region of what used to be the United States. Yeah. And they perform classical music and Shakespeare plays for these little communities. And it's, I think that to me was like, I connected very strongly with that little element of it because I've always thought like, you know, in a post-apocalyptic world, like if I was in like The Walking Dead or something, like I I couldn't bring anything, you know, like any valuable skills (laughs) to like help my group survive. But if, but I could be part of the traveling symphony, like I could help, I I could do that. I I love that. (laughs) Like I could be, and they're, um, they're like, motto or whatever for the traveling symphony is survival is insufficient so they're you know like they're basically saying like it's not enough to just survive as humanity like we need to keep art alive and we need to continue to you know create and innovate as human beings because that's our humanity like creativity and and our yes it's so uh, it's so wonderful. So that's like, that's kind of like the main timeline of the book and of the series as well. But then we also have um, the timeline right when the virus like first starts to, you know, hit and, um, and, and like the world is first starting to learn about it. So we have the, the main character whose name is Kirsten was like eight years old yeah. when that was happening and so we follow her for a little while as well as a couple other characters um as they're kind of just starting to you know make their way in this in this world where everyone's gone yeah and then we also have a timeline that is leading up to that moment so like before the virus hit And um, we're following um, this, like, famous Shakespearean actor through, like, several years of his life leading up to the night when the virus first hit. He's on stage playing King Lear, and he has a heart attack on stage and dies before. Yeah. And so, oh, and then I haven't even gotten. So (laughs) (laughs) the title, Station Eleven, comes from a graphic novel 
called Station Eleven that um, one of the characters is writing and then ends up like 20 years later, the main character has one of the only existing copies of this graphic novel. So it's kind of woven throughout the whole story. And it's very good. And I probably did not do a very good job of like succinctly describing it. But please go check it out. Read the book and watch the series on HBO Max. That's very good. amazing. So good. Oh my, oh my God. Oh i like the actress who's featured on like the the poster for it on hbo max i really like Mm -hmm. her so mackenzie davis yeah she does great she's a great yeah great actor i was already like my ears were perked for sure (laughs) um what exists on my list that matches that a little bit um well kevin can have himself i mean sure (laughs) Um, so for fans of, um, Alexis Rose and Schitt's Creek, if you, (laughs) if you want to see Annie Murphy do something 365 degrees different, well, that would be a full circle. Half, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Just turn it a full circle. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. That's my roundabout way of telling you it's the same thing. Um, (laughs) if you want to see her, like, do a full Boston accent, what and I a lot of people have said is it a good Boston accent a lot of people have said it's bad but I really like it it's not like Matt Damon in The Departed (laughs) there is much debate being had and I'm not I'm not of Boston so perhaps they're correct but I really like it pack Um, the car in the Harvard yard (laughs) I think she does a really good job of distancing herself from everything that Alexis Rose is she is Hmm. She is unkempt. She is a very much someone who has been, again, um, who is falling apart, who is experiencing failure. She has married very young, and then it turns out the guy was not for her. Um, not mm. in just like a we disagree way, and like a oh, this is problematic and toxic for her. Um, it's an exploration of gender roles. So mm. you see um, the whole premise of the show is that it takes like the sitcom, like I love Lucy or Malcolm in the middle or those like very stereotypical one experience of a family type scenarios and kind of turns it on its head. So where you can see, Um, these kind of idyllic moments of like what she's attempting to be as a wife and then how detrimental and toxic that ideal of perfection is to her. So you Mm. see like those classic sitcom moments where there's like a laugh track and it's bright and colorful and it's like the, the image of the, the nuclear family and then it's like you get to watch her as she leaves the scene and then there's a change in the color of the the film and she falls apart and mm. lives this very real like breaking bad esque <laughs> really traumatic and awful life so it's kind of like taking a look at the american ideal of the nuclear family that we get solely through television and then mm-hmm. seeing what it is and how, how detrimental it is to try and live your life like that. Oh, interesting. It's really so good. it sounds like it sounds like it might 
fit in with like a discussion of WandaVision. Absolutely. Which is on my list for this year yeah. or for 2021. But, you know, I don't feel like I need to spend a lot of time talking about WandaVision because we did four episodes on it <laughs> um, <laughs> back in April. So, you know, go listen to those. Um, but yeah, I like that idea of like using the medium of TV to explore our relationship with TV yeah. in a way, um, which WandaVision obviously does. Yeah. Um, very, very deftly. You, so you mentioned Malcolm in the yeah. Middle and oh, really? I Love Lucy or just like kind of the like the generic idea of like a family sitcom, like kind of kind of high comedy, yes. like or high high concept comedy sort of a base anything idea. that's on. Nick, Nick at, at night. night or on Fox at like 6 p.m. Like just very okay. much what you're supposed to um, experience as a family life versus mm-hmm. what life actually is and what might happen when, you, when you're not happily married or you've kind of gotten married because you thought it was the right thing to do and then... 10 years down the line, you realize you're not happy and kind of a discussion mm. of changing your life or being, or yeah. being desperate to change your life. Like her actions are not always the Annie Murphy's actions. I can't think of the character's name, but <laughs> her actions are not good, but they're very much desperate. They're very much, I have like, there might be a little bit of peppering in of. Um, anxiety or depression for so many years Mm -hmm. at her situation um, and kind of anger at someone she's blaming for that like her husband is not wonderful but I think that there is also elements of I'm so angry about my circumstances and my tangible way to process that is to be angry at you and the life we've made together that Mm -hmm. kind of thing okay Because, like, he's not the best guy. He's very much stuck Mm -hmm. in kind of misogyny. But there's no, like, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. He's stuck in toxic misogyny, but. And Uh also. Toxic masculinity. Yeah. But I'm assuming that she doesn't at any point trap an entire town inside an alternate reality or, you know, resurrect her dead robot no. boyfriend. And <laughs> she does amass local people in town to try and kill her husband, which is not great. Oh. So like that's not that's not a good choice, right? Like that's not right. <laughs> but it's a re- it's not a it's not a moral no, choice. But it does make for very yeah. interesting TV. But for yes, but from a narrative standpoint, it's an interesting. It's choice. one of those kind of yes. fun shows where no one is right. Mm, yeah, I love it's that. Really good Breaking Bad meets um, I Love Lucy. Get into it. Mm, sold. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about Wandavision because you know we did a whole series. Amazing on it. show! Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Definitely. Wonderful. So I'm looking at. Hmm, <laughs> What what on my list do you want to hear Mommy. about? 
I want to hear about, ooh, tell me about For the Wolf. Ooh, okay. Well, <laughs> um, I just got really excited. Uh, Yay! So, <laughs> so this was, I think this was my favorite book that I uh, of the year. Uh, it did come out in 2021, but it came out in like June, which I thought was weird because I uh-huh. saved it to read until December. I was like, this is a December book. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so this is a, uh, it's an adult fantasy, kind of a dark fantasy, like fairy tale kind of uh, story. So it actually reminded me a lot of Uprooted by Naomi Novik, which is yeah another one of my favorite books ever. So it has like a very fairy tale kind of premise. The setup is that there's this little kingdom on the edge of this enchanted forest and they have like struck this like magical treaty with the forest that every second daughter of the queen is sent into the forest and she is for the wolf. So like the first daughter, the first daughter is for the throne. The second daughter is for the wolf. And so it's been like, because they have this magical treaty, like, you know, queens stop having daughters after their first one because they're like, I don't want to give my, you know, give my daughter to the yeah. this dark enchanted forest. But the main character of this book is a twin and her older sister is for the throne. And since she's a twin, you know, they like it wasn't like they could control it. So yeah. so she's like the first second daughter in like hundreds of years. Um, and so she's grown up her whole life knowing that she will, you know, I think it's like when they turn 21, they send them into the forest. I think it's 21. Anyway, um, so she's grown up her whole life knowing that this is what's going to happen. And so that's like the opening like 50 pages or so is like leading up to her going into the forest and then I don't want to say too much about what happens after she gets there because I mean like I'm not like I'm not like ooh spoilers or anything but I just think (laughs) that like there's so much that would be difficult to summarize in a way that like makes sense if you're not experiencing it yourself so yeah and I I will just and also I find it very uh, sometimes I find it very hard to like summarize a plot when I'm just like but the vibes it's the vibes like there's so much going on yeah (laughs) there's so much going on and it is very much like a vibes heavy like moody book which I love that's like my favorite thing um the vibes are so good it's like wintry and and dark foresty and like enchanted fairy tale and yeah and you just need to read it on a winter night it's still winter it is you know in the northern hemisphere we've got some snow here um so you know curl up with a cup of cocoa and read for the wolf that's my my recommendation sold that sounds amazing so you mentioned forests no i'm just kidding but (laughs) i do at this point need to talk about wheel of time yeah Um, i was hoping you would because this is one that i didn't i didn't finish the show because i just had too many things going on so i want to (laughs) hear i want to hear about this (laughs) so but i I loved the first two episodes i watched so 
I'm gonna just go out there and say that I also stopped watching after the second episode because (laughs) I am on page 707 of the first Eye of the World, or of the first Wheel of Time book, The Eye of the World. I thought you finished it. I... I'm so close. Okay. (laughs) So close to finishing this book. And I got tipped off that some things get spoiled. So I I have been so invested in the world of Wheel of Time. I don't even know where to begin this discussion. So the (laughs) The Wheel of Time is a fascinating book. It's this society. It's a fantasy story. If you've been under a rock for a second, um, it's a fantasy story. And it's about this world where everything is basically run by women. So there's um, every town has a wisdom. Perfect. 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 (laughs) And so like the wisdom run the towns these circles of women and they all wear braids um and the longer the braid the more um the the longer you've been with the town and the um older and wiser that you are so it's very much a celebration of the wisdom of women and then there's like these magical women called the Aes Sedai who run all kind of the magical aspects of things and a lot of people dislike them because of the effect that they have had on this larger thing called the wheel of time. So mm. the wheel, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. It's think of the muses from Greek okay. mythology and the way that they like, we um, are the muses. Yeah, the, or sorry, <laughs> not the muses. Goodness. The fates. The, the fates yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, always think of the muses. Uh, Yes, of course. The muses from Hercules. But the fates and how, like, they... Okay, I'm good. The image in my head is the Disney one. I know that it's not. (laughs) But but when they're cutting the strings of of time and Mm -hmm. things are changing as things in the world are happening, that's very much kind of the wheel of time. So... Mm -hmm. We follow three lovable besties from a small town, um, <laughs> the two rivers. So this, follow... is sounding, this is sounding a lot like Arcane so far. <laughs> I've got a type, ladies and gentlemen. I've got a type. Um, but yeah, so you follow the three boys, Matt, Perrin, and Rand. And Matt. They're in... mm-hmm. Matt. <laughs> I like how normal Matt is and then Rand and Perrin. Huh? I want to get my muffin, Matt. <laughs> and like, Leslie Jones. Did, okay. Oh, I, I love her. Um, I don't want to spoil too much either, but Perrin learns how to speak to wolves and kind of oh. becomes like a wolf being. Rand is like... Speaking with wolves is good. It's my favorite part. When that part happens, when he's like fully having conversations with wolves in his head, I'm like, I am on board forever. Does he, I will read this. Does he have does he have dances with wolves? <laughs> Always. <laughs> I had so, to I had to go there. So like Perrin <laughs> is the wolf man, basically. Mm, and then Teen Wolf? Is he Teen, teen Wolf? wolf? Mm, love it. Just your an, an American werewolf in Paris, but a two rivers wolf in the rest of um, the world. And then Matt is a little bit like Frodo slash Gollum. 
there's oh there's like a treasured object that he he's so they go to a mad if i talk about any of this it's gonna just we'll be here for three hours but (laughs) so matt basically takes an object from an enchanted city that makes him obsessed with it in similar ways that frodo does with the ring that is very much bare bones and it's different it's not stealing anything from anyone but if i have two seconds to talk about it that's what i'm using Mm, and then sure yeah and then rand is rand the one who the one who's supposed to like solve the go and meet go find the um eye of the world and um beat bealzaman the great big baddie Mm, and that's the sauron yes so and i'm hearing i can basically hear the wheel of time fans screaming at me it's not a one-to-one but if we need if i'm (laughs) if i was writing the musical of it and i needed caricatures for you to understand in two seconds yeah well and i think that that is very much intentional like i don't know a lot about robert jordan or the the book series but like if i if my my research or my findings are correct like he very jordan very intentionally was using lord of the rings as a reference point sure but then kind of flipping that whole fantasy framework like on its head and doing something you know something completely opposite with it so like to establish this you know he's he's working within that established framework but then it moves on. And I like, you know, like I I've, I haven't read any of the books. I just watched the first two episodes of the show. But that's definitely what I saw in like that first episode. We're setting this up. OK, this is a very traditional kind of conventional mm-hmm. fantasy pseudo European, you know, yeah. setup. But then even just in that second episode, it's already starting to break out of that and kind of you know, in a way, it's kind of a commentary on that traditional fantasy, you know, framework. Yeah. Um, even just in that second episode. So, yeah, I think defining these terms or defining, you know, the the components of the story in terms of like the Lord of the Rings analogs, I think makes perfect sense because then, you know, it, it goes on and does something different with them so absolutely i think that's fine (laughs) and it's surprising it takes you down turns that you're like legitimately not expecting and by book like i've been told that by book like 11 or 12 they also (laughs) finally have a discussion on um gender binary Mm. (laughs) so that's really wonderful also and was Um, that is that one of the books that Jordan completed himself, or was it one of the ones that Brandon Sanderson wrote? I believe it was Jordan, one of his okay. last ones. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, go, I'm reading, or I'm staring at my books one and two, published by Tor Fantasy right now. But yeah, <laughs> go, go, they're long friends, but they're really good. Anyway, I see my time. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to finish the show because I am intrigued. You know, another something else I didn't finish yet. I only watched season or season. I only watched the first episode of season two of The Witcher. I still have that to watch. I've been saving that too. Yeah. 
I just there's just too many things going on. <laughs> the Witcher is another one that is clearly using Lord of the Rings as a as you know a reference point, but then like yeah. moving on from that. Yeah. What should I talk about next after Wheel of Time? How about the Green Knight? Ooh, yes, yes. Um, yes, the Green Knight. Oh my goodness. Uh. Uh, what do you? What can you say about the Green Knight? Uh, it's Dev Patel and yeah. his perfect shoulders <laughs> in a <Yes. laughs> in a like bonkers fantasy adventure. Um, yeah. It's like every single component of this movie is like so strange yet uh-huh. so perfect. Yeah. And fits so perfectly together. I've only seen it the one time, but I I think about this movie like at least once a week, if not more. Yeah. And it's in, you know, I saw it, you know, six months ago or whatever. Well, remember it's in so the car good. driving home when we were all we were, just silent? We were just like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what did I, what did I watch? I mean, like. What? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And I think we kind of we kind of had this discussion a little bit that like we I think like we had all read the yeah. the source material um at some point. And so it was very I think this is a this movie is a really good example of how to take, you know, a quote unquote western canon work and like make it I hate using this word, but like make it relevant <laughs> for okay. for the, for the now times. Like, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, who who can relate? Honestly, who in the year of our <laughs> Lord twenty twenty two can relate to this freaking old weird poem that's barely even in English? To be honest, yeah. like mm-hmm. who can, who can relate to this super old work? And the but plot the, is just so it's bizarre, the po- yeah. the plot is bonkers. Like it yeah. doesn't follow, you know, this is another thing that I think we we talked about. Like it doesn't follow like a narrative structure that we are used to. You know, it doesn't right. follow like that, you know, that Hollywood three act plot structure at all. Like and doesn't even try to. Um no. the 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 original work or the movie. Like doesn't even try to fit no. into that. And and I love it for that. Um yeah. it's yeah, it's so it's a little bit uncomfortable in in that way. And it makes you kind of have to like stretch your mind a little bit and and because like if you're you know, if you're trying to fit it into that three act Mm-hmm. conventional structure like things don't seem to fit right but if you like are able to kind of get outside of that I think yeah it's really yeah it's really good um go watch it <laughs> I loved how I felt like it was really true to the desolation of those kinds of journeys right that- of the epic quests they're Uh not they're not epic like dragon slashing i'm having so much fun being such a good little hero it's Uh desolate wasteland and you're just like wandering around trying to find the next step yeah and i think it also like 
as much as it kind of kind of like references like the whole hero's journey like Campbellian sort of narrative which like Joseph Campbell was like drawing his ideas of the monomyth from stories like the Green Knight so it makes sense that it kind of fits into that um but as much as it you know kind of fits into that pattern or that kind of storytelling it's also sort of commenting on that kind of hero's journey like monomyth structure I think especially in like and so I guess this is like spoilers if you haven't seen the movie but like especially in that final like flash forward sequence where we see what would happen to Gawain or Garwin as they call him in the movie um, (laughs) what would happen to him if he you know, kind of broke this promise that he had made and how, like, his life ends up becoming, like, like, he gets, like, you know, all of the power and, like, wealth that, you know, that a hero, that is, like, a proper hero's reward. Um, But his life becomes very hollow and, like, internally and emotionally, he kind of, like, wastes away in that flash-forward vision. And I think that's such a great commentary on like the very traditional hero's journey, which is very much outward focused power and glory with little to no kind of internal growth or development, which isn't, which isn't like Campbell would say that like that a hero's journey is about the hero's psychological development. But I think the way that we see the hero's journey expressed very often has little to no internal growth. So I liked that it kind of it, it kind of showed like the failings of the hero's journey in a way um, yeah. through that through that element. I just re- it was just really good, okay? And I just... it's also like even if it were horrible, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It, the yeah. the color schemes, the deep jewel tones. Oh my god, the. Uh, you met, you already mentioned Dev Patel's shoulders. It was <laughs> yes. just very important key element there. <laughs> a time to be had for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and new favorite Christmas movie, right? Yes, it's a Christmas movie. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I did actually go out and buy Jewel Tone um, accoutrement for my oh, home based excellent. on it. Excellent. I love, I love a jewel tone. I would love to see some photos. You should post those on our Instagram. I will. <laughs> uh, okay. That's enough of that. Oh, let's talk about Abbott Elementary. Because I was about to put this on my list too, and then I saw that it was on yours. So I was like, okay, let's do <laughs> let's do this. You mean the television show that instead of saying teachers are bad because or teaching teaching is difficult because these people are ill prepared? Looking at you, Cameron Diaz. Oh, um, <laughs> the show that says okay, that teach- movie was hilarious though. Like, it's true. It's, it's okay, <laughs> but so much about what we get. Like when people hear teachers say, "Oh, teaching is so hard," they assume the Cameron Diaz role. Like, oh. Uh-huh. She she doesn't like kids or oh whatever, but this Abbott Elementary tells the story of a school that is given 
I mean, it, it could be any school in America. It's given mm-hmm. no resources. It's well staffed with people who genuinely care about the students. And then they're given little to no assistance because the people who are supposed to assist them have little to no resources or they're handled poorly. I, as a teacher, I felt seen in this. <laughs> I, I, I loved that it was honest. Yeah, I've been checking every single day on Hulu to see if there's episode two yet. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, Tuesday oh, good. is the okay. next one. Yeah, the so 4th, it... January 4th. Oh, we're good, not, good, good. We are not sponsored by ABC. <laughs> Please But know. also, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think it, it does a really good job, kind of like Parks and Rec, of skirting I've, the mm-hmm. line <laughs> between like really funny moments with characters that are obviously high comedy and really real moments of what it is to see that your students don't have resources and try to get them and protect the children that you love and serve Mm -hmm. and and the community that you love and serve as a teacher. Yeah. I was going to say the main character to me is like, if Leslie Nope were a teacher, like, yes, that's who, that's the vibe I was getting, which, you know, is, like not at all a bad thing I love yeah yeah I love seeing like a very optimistic sunshine character thrown into like these you know very adverse circumstances and seeing and seeing you know what what they can accomplish it does a really nice job of telling like, I feel like I've met all of these teachers, right? Mm. You have the one, you have the first, I almost cried, actually, when it <laughs> said it was her first year teaching, because I'm newly out of my first year onto my second. Mm, sure. So seeing the story told about a first year teacher, she says something like, we started with 20, and now there's two of us that have yeah. stayed in the profession. And she meets the older teacher who's been there a million years and the jokes are obviously that like no one no one would ever cross this teacher, but you also see her heart and her soul and her yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you see <laughs> the admin who for them maybe and I'm not saying this is not putting admin on blast. I love my administrators, <laughs> but the admin in this show is very much in it just for the money. And mm. oh my I just the whole plot, there's a whole plot line where she's trying to get a new carpet for her kids. Uh-huh. Um, I love, yes. I loved that. And at first you connect with it because she wants the best for her students and they all get to sit in community together on the circle mat every day. And then you also find out that it's it's it serves as solace for a student of hers who really needs it. So like, oh my, I just... Go watch it on January. Right. It's really yeah. And I also, you know, I love that, like, so the pilot episode is all we have so far. Yeah. And, like, at the end of the episode, spoiler, they, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> she gets the rug that she wanted for her classroom. And it's not the rug that she wanted. Like, right. But she gets, you know, what she needs. But there's never, like, this sense that, like, oh, everything's fine now. Everything's fixed. 
because right. I got the rug. Like there's still this sense, like I don't remember exactly how she words it, but there's still this sense that like, no, there's still a lot wrong here. But yeah. for today, for today, this was a win. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I loved that little, that little wrap up at the end. And we're just going to keep showing up because our mm-hmm. kids need us. Wow, I just almost started crying. I like, know. that's just, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. And all, yeah. And I think it's such a, it's a great, I hope that it continues in that kind of commentary, like a great way of kind of highlighting these real yeah. problems, these real issues in yeah. our society, but in a, in a fun, more lighthearted way, which, right. you know, is something that like, like you mentioned, Parks and Rec was so great at. So yeah, I could see this show becoming like a new, not like the next Parks and Rec, but like a, a new kind of uh, like in the vein of Parks and Rec. And I believe <laughs> the lead actress was also the creator of the show. Yes. Yeah, yes. she is. Mm-hmm. So keep going. Mm-hmm. The, the teachers of the world need this kind of a <laughs> the ability to decompress about what's actually going on so yeah yes yes i do i'm no longer a teacher but i still yeah once a teacher always a I teacher, see, yeah i still felt that i was like ah yeah ain't it the truth um <laughs> <laughs> okay what am i gonna talk about next i don't even i don't know what do you want to hear about um, I see a a list of of like books, the love hypothesis. Oh, okay, yes. So for this item on my list, um, it's the love hypothesis. But then I have this list here because this is exemplary of how in twenty twenty one I kind of not discovered, but like kind of learned to love contemporary romance books. Okay. Um, so I'd cut like, you know me, I, if I'm going to read a book, I want it to have like spaceships or magic or, yes, you know, I want mm. it to have like ballroom scenes and like you know, <laughs> long flowing dresses. Like that's what I, I don't want to read about the real, the real world. I could no. go live in the real world. Goodness. No. Yeah. I'm not going to go live in the real world, but I could. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to, I want reading to be like an escape. Yeah. That's what, you know, what I've always maintained. However, (laughs) in 2021, I read, this isn't even a complete list, uh, Uh but I I probably read close to 10 contemporary romance novels. And I think, so I think this is like, so like I, you know, love a romance, love a historical romance, almost always have, I would say. So I think the interesting thing about contemporary romance is that it's almost like its own speculative genre because you know just like fantasy or science fiction like it has these very specific tropes that you expect to find in every contemporary romance and so I think thinking of it like that kind of helped me to see this as like okay this isn't like things that happen in romance novels even contemporary set romance novels don't happen in real life so (laughs) so I think that kind of helped me to like 
think thinking of it as its own kind of speculative genre helped me to like wrap my head around it more and enjoy yeah. it. So yes, so I have this whole list here of contemporary romances I read. Um, the X Hex um, uh-huh. by Aaron Sterling. <laughs> So I cute. heard very good things. So cute. Window shopping and it happened one summer, both by Tessa Bailey. Um, it happened one summer. It takes place in Westport, Washington. Oh, uh, which is a, a real town. And also, um, I think it was described as like the main character is like Alexis Rose, like is how it was kind of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a couple others. Um, you had me at Ola, which I think actually came out in 2020 but i read it in 2021 i almost bought that one that looked really oh, good. oh it's i have a copy if you want to borrow it um i have a hard copy Ooh, yeah hanukkah carries on this uh is by usman jalaladin who also wrote aisha at last which is one of my favorite pride and prejudice retellings um but hanukkah carries on is like a retelling of you've got mail <laughs> And the main character is a podcaster. So I was like, ah, this is so great. I love that. It was really cute. Yeah. So that's like the list I have on here. Um, But yeah, I read several others, um, including The Love Hypothesis, which was my favorite out of all of them. And this is an interesting story. If you've heard of this book, if you've read anything about The Love Hypothesis, you probably read like somewhere near the top of that article that it is based on a Raylo fanfic. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So like I really exposing myself here. I've read some <laughs> Raylo fanfics. Sure. Not ashamed of it at no, all. Why would you be? Um, <laughs> um, I had not. I had not read the one that this one was based on, though. So like I didn't have any, you know, like I didn't have the original to compare it to. But like, Mm -hmm. honestly, I think even if you like I've, you know, talked to and seen comments from so many people who like had no idea that it was based on a Raylo fic or who like, you know, don't even like Star Wars, don't even like Raylo, but they loved this book. So like it's far enough removed Uh that, that, you know, there's no copyright issues. Like Disney isn't sure. Yeah. After it. And they're notoriously litigious. Um, Yeah. They're going to get there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so this is about a woman in STEM. Um, she, <laughs> she's a woman in STEM. She is a, a biology, I think biology, yes, biology uh, PhD candidate. Okay. And she, <laughs> this is like how you, this is like how you can tell that it started as a fanfic because the tropes are so fanficy and it's glorious. Aww. So it's like a fake dating. Uh, <laughs> So she, like, fake dates a professor in her department. He's not her professor, so there's no, like, professional, you know, conflict of interest. Okay. But, like, they fake date because she is – so it's, like, the most, like, flimsy setup, which I love. (laughs) So she – so the main character, Olive, um, her best friend is really into this guy that she, Olive, went on like two dates with and didn't hit it off. But her okay. best friend doesn't want to date this guy because she thinks that her best friend thinks that Olive is like still into him. So she's uh-huh. like, okay, so I'll fake date someone so that my friend 
will see that I'm not into this guy and then she can date him. So like that's, okay. the, that's the like convoluted thought process that she comes up with. Um, and it's really just an excuse to get the two um, love interests to like interact a lot. Um, <laughs> sure, and like sure. it's, yeah, it's so fun and fluffy and the yeah. banter, the banter is like chef's kiss. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really like, it was such a delight. I read the whole book in one day and just yeah. grinned the whole way through it. I so love yes, that. read The Love Hypothesis and also read read Contemporary Romance because it's delightful. <laughs> I'm going to copy down this whole list because okay. um, <laughs> our lovely listener and dear friend Nicole is always uh-huh. telling me um, different titles of these books to read. And um, I just started Holly Jolly Diwali. Oh, yes. I, I read that one too. So I didn't put it on my list, but yeah, that one was adorable. I read a lot of like holiday themed yeah <laughs> like specific holidays so like window shopping is christmas the uh-huh. x-hex is halloween um holly jolly diwali is obviously diwali yeah <laughs> and like everywhere from like the covers of these books are so mm-hmm. cute and then like they do such a good job of building character right away i don't know it's yeah. just warm and fuzzy and i like it um there's another one on my list called the matzo ball. Where it's like a, a ball, but yeah. Oh, um, I just read, I didn't read this one in 2021, but I just read a like an entire book yesterday called, called <laughs> Well Met, that it's, that's a contemporary romance set at a Renaissance fair. That's amazing. It was the, it was so, yeah. We might was, need to do a bonus I, just of these I, silly romances. Like how, uh, can we They're also, just... like, get some movies based on these? Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Just so warm and cozy. It's like a Hallmark movie, but, like, as a book. That you can read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perfect. <laughs> oh, none of my things are happy. Uh, the, grand cu- <laughs> the Grand Crew is happy. Okay. The Grand Crew. Tell me about that. Stars Nicole Byer. Oh my gosh! Um, <sighs> this one was on my list to watch, and it just I just didn't couldn't didn't get around to it. I think you only have two episodes so far, but it's just okay. it's kind of like a more honest, more like it's kind of like if a sitcom were allowed to be more honest and real. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we get sitcoms about best friends, like How I Met Your Mother, and mm. you know what? Or like new girl or, you know, like, and they're kind of, it's reality, but it's also like bubbly and the jokes are very like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, they're also very funny, but it's like, I don't know, the grand crew stars actual stand-up comedians who are like, their jokes are, I don't know, more, what am I trying to say? The jokes are like, you know, they're more like observational observational and also like like not as obvious okay you know like the humor just go watch it but nicole byer is (laughs) hilarious also listen watch her stand-up special that's Mm. on netflix as of now so maybe instead of the grand crew i just want to say one of my favorite things in 2021 was um nicole nicole byer Byer. yes absolutely i think she is so funny 
Um, mm-hmm. I listened to her best friend's podcast, which uh-huh. just, so she was a Mita all the time. Um, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> she is what makes Nailed It worth watching, honestly. Absolutely. Her her Instagram has a lot of pictures of her dog, Clyde. No. She, like, her other podcast, Why Won't You Date Me? <laughs> She's just really cool. She also, like, I love how she lives her life. Like, she goes rollerblading, and then she goes to, like, a, a pole dancing class. She, like... She's really seeking happiness and joy in a way that I just think is amazing. And so I'm just going to say Nicole Byer was one of my favorite things of 2021. That's what we'll say. Uh, Valid. Valid. I love it. Valid salad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a new thing I'm trying to start. Valid salad. Valid salad. Valid salad. Love that for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. you know, we can we can uh, segue from Nicole Byer, uh, a woman we love dearly, to another woman we love dearly, Mindy Kaling. Yeah, we can. Who had a new show in 2021. Yes. Called The Sex Lives of College Girls, which yes. I don't know. Did you watch it at all? I'm, I was saving it. So January and February after the holidays are like a real downer. So I was mm. saving it. I'm okay. excited to watch it. Yeah, I'm excited for you to watch it. Uh, <laughs> it's so, like, if you have read um, her, I think her first memoir is Everyone yes. Hanging Out Without Me is the one where she gets really into, like, her time at Dartmouth. Yeah. Um, I think she talks about it a little bit in Why Not Me as well. Um, but, like, it's very clear that she um, has based – a lot of this show on her college experiences, if you know about her college experience. Yeah. Um, it, so it's fun to kind of see that on screen. One character in particular, Bella, I, I think is very clearly based on Mindy herself. And then I think maybe the other characters are kind of amalgamations of like friends that she had in college, perhaps, yeah. or maybe they're just complete inventions um sure who knows um but yeah it's a really i you know i love mindy kaling's writing and her humor so like <laughs> i found it to be very funny very like clever like i know like all of the characters like i know who these characters are like i knew girls like this or uh-huh. you know i knew of people like this so yeah, I, yeah uh, just really fun and fresh and kind of uh it get it does get into like some social commentary and i think for the most part like that's really well done and doesn't like like the humor and the social commentary kind of are deftly woven together which is mm-hmm. something that mindy kaling is so expert at doing yeah um and then also like you know the the emotional heart is there um for all of these characters too so would definitely recommend i i was just rewatching the first few seasons of mindy project (laughs) her writing is just like her writing is fantastic it's so good. Exactly like you said, it's so good of weaving like the real bitter truth of the world with like really, really funny, often joyful moments mm-hmm. of just like what is so funny about the lives that we are living. You know, mm-hmm. it's I love her. 
Oh. Hi, Mindy. Hi, Mindy. <laughs> I think we oh. say hi. To, we say hi to Mindy every episode. Well, we have to. It's only right. Oh, Nicole Byers' stand-up special also has a huge commentary on Harry Potter that I think. Oh you would goodness! Love. I think you oh, would love good it so Lord. much. Because uh, she's not on board either. Good. No. Okay. Yeah. One more reason to love Nicole Byer. Okay. Love her. Um, yeah, I really want to watch Sex Lives of College Girls. Yeah. Okay. What do okay. we got on? Um, I still haven't seen The French Dispatch. <gasps> Rhonda. <laughs> it was look. like one of the – so like this 2021 I think was a really weird year for movies. Like even yeah. weirder than 2020 because it was yeah. like – like, you know, all of these directors that, you know, are really big, like Steven Spielberg, Ridley Scott, uh, Wes Anderson, you know, had these movies that they had been working on for years, but they couldn't you know, release them in yeah. 2020. And so they were all released like the second half of 2021. And like a lot of them kind of flopped because nobody could go see them or yeah. because like it was just like, oh, uh, there's a whole thing, you know. Like, it was just kind of, it was too many releasing yeah. all around the same time, and you you couldn't go see them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> There's also... But we did all... see West Side Story. Oh, we did. We did see West Side Story. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, so <laughs> anyway, tell me about The French Dispatch. <laughs> you have to watch this movie. Okay. <laughs> it's got everything. Sorry. This um... movie has everything. France dispatches. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Timothy yeah. Chalamet. And what's his face? Bill Murray's in it. Um, oh, of course Bill Murray's in it. It's a Wes Anderson movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I Wes Anderson is, you could say, my cup of tea. I, yeah, for sure. Just the specific stylized everything from, like, everything works so nicely together mm-hmm. from, like, the aesthetic to the the music to the actual plot to the actors um and the choices that they're making mm-hmm. in their characters like everything is so stylized it almost feels like you're watching a comic book or something so the french dispatch tells the story of a journal in france um so it's the story of all these writers in france and it, it um it's broken up as if it were a newspaper. So you get each section has a different section of the newspaper. So you get the cooking section and you get a, a like a short vignette about cooking um, mm. that also tells like this really unique story and builds its own world. And then you're transported to a different world for a different section of the newspaper. And through that, you also learn about um, Bill Murray, the one who leads the whole journal Oh, and uh, not Kate Moss. Goodness. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Moss is in it. Oh, I don't um, know Elizabeth Moss is in it. It's her. really, it's it's a really interesting format because it, yeah, it, it follows the format of like a magazine or a newspaper mm-hmm. and it's all set in France and Timothy Chalamet is also there. Shublagoo. Shublagoo. That's what I call him. Yeah. Timothy Shublagoo. Shublagoo. He also does a really good job. <laughs> did, of wait, writing. did you just say, did you just call him the Darkling? <laughs> yes. The correct choice for the Darkling is Timothy right. But also um, Paul Atreides. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, neither of us put Dune on our lists. 
Uh, I'm trying to read it before I watch it. Oh, you don't need to. Okay. <laughs> you can you can watch it. It's but good. this is going to be my year of like reading all the classic epics. Is my life goal. Okay. But yeah, so watch watch the French Dispatch because and watch Dune. <laughs> And wa- and probably watch Dune. It's and pr- probably watch Dune. Yeah, probably, yeah, you're probably gonna watch Dune. Oh, Wes Anderson does a really nice job of showing first romance of like your teenage years, mm. and that's in there. That's kind of a through line of a lot of his work, but that's in there. Francis McDormand is in there. All of my favorite people are in there. So <laughs> watch it. All right. Um, what have we got? We're getting we're getting down to our last couple of things yeah. here. Oh, I could talk about Only Murders in the Building. Ooh. Did you end up watching this? I'm three episodes in and I'm Uh, rationing it because I love it. Yes, it's so good. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So this is like classic Steve Martin, Martin Short (laughs) comedy. But but Selena Gomez is Uh their third their third member of their of their little mystery solving crew. Um, and she's fantastic. Yeah. Like, this show is all, like, it's so well cast. And yeah. it's so cleverly written. Totally. And uh, it's so great. Yeah, so Only Murders in the Building for anyone unfamiliar. So uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short um, are <laughs> neighbors in this apartment building. And Selena Gomez is also staying in an apartment in the same building. And they all meet one evening because there's been, um, well, at first they don't, I think they don't know that it's a murder, but uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's been a death in the building. And so they evacuate the building and they're all, um, the three of them meet up at this cafe, like across the street and they start talking about it and they start, um, and they realize that they're all like fans of true crime podcasts <laughs> and, <laughs> and Tina Fey uh, is pitch perfect in a cameo as the true crime podcast host yeah. who's like very famous. She's like, uh, who's the host of uh, Serial? Oh, heck. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But that's like basically who, who she is. Um, yeah. And so they like start talking and they're like, oh, we should do a podcast about this <laughs> murder. And so they're like, working together to try to solve this murder and they're like making a podcast at the same time yeah so it's like it's so fun and clever and yes please just watch it (laughs) as someone who's in the middle of it i can really say it really folds in the cheese to quote yes. It really like <laughs> fold in the cheese. <laughs> in the cheese. It what, really... do, what does that mean? <laughs> you fold it in. <laughs> you fold in the cheese. <laughs> anyway. Um it really it really folds in the details and how like everything is linked together in a really again surprising mm-hmm. way. I, like I also it. just find like the friendship that develops yeah. between the three main characters just really sweet. Like it's yeah. these two like old grandpas and then Selena Gomez who's you know I think her character's like in her mid twenties. Um, right. So it's like this intergenerational friendship. That's just really sweet. Like, yeah. it's cute. And also Amy Ryan is in it. Yeah. Um, Holly Flax. 
Yeah. Um, she's really great too. I yeah. I mean, anytime you got Steve Martin and Martin Short. I right. Mean. Yeah. And then it was really smart of them to also like not stick to just that duo, you know, like, cause mm-hmm. we've done that. Yeah. That was, I think like when I was first telling you about it, I was like, it doesn't feel like, like it's classic Steve Martin, Martin Short, but it doesn't feel dated. Like it feels fresh. Right? But at right? the same time, it doesn't feel like they're trying too hard to, like, yeah. appeal to the Gen Z, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think they, you know, like, they struck a great balance. And it was also, the, like, Selena Gomez is also, I think, one of the ex- executive producers on it as well. Yeah. So it was really smart of them to include her, include her in, you know, kind of giving it that fresh voice that she brings to it. So... Yeah. Yes. Very lovely. Very fun. She also balances the eccentricity of Martin Short. He yes. has a good balance. <laughs> I love him so much. And I love how he's figured out how to kind of riff on himself. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and Very self-referential really... yeah. in a way. <laughs> he's, he reminds me here of the director he plays in um, Get Over It. Uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, and I think it takes a, a huge talent to balance him. And I think mm-hmm. Selena Gomez does a really nice job of that. As yeah. Well. She's yeah. great. Yeah. I haven't seen Selena Gomez in a lot of stuff, like, as an adult. But, right? but like, yeah, she's really great. I can't wait to see what else she does. Yeah. So does it leave room for a second season or? Um, I think it could, but it okay. might go like in a slightly different direction okay like I don't necessarily think that we would be following these same characters the whole time like we might bring in a new character or yeah yeah. but yeah I think it could I think there could be another season it's also I'm just gonna say it a love letter to New York like even from like the typeface (laughs) is the New Yorker typeface to Mm -hmm. like the strand bags and the like little references (laughs) yeah Well, what else have you got on your list? Okay, I got... (laughs) Another Hulu show. I do. um, Nine Perfect Strangers. And then I also have Breaking News in Yuba County. Ooh. So, Breaking News in Yuba County, Alice and Janney, sold. Um, Yes. (laughs) Alice and Janney playing a woman in... um, in middle age somewhere um and she lives in yuba county and she is very much again kind of like in kevin can effort himself she's very much a woman who is trying to keep it together Mm. you can tell this was written in a pandemic because (laughs) we were all trying to keep it together she is feeling um She's feeling unheard in her life. She is feeling um, taken advantage of by those around her. And she's feeling kind of like the so what of everyday existence. She's like, I'm doing all of these things and I'm showing up, but I'm really deeply unhappy. Um, When she finds out that her husband is cheating on her. There's also, like, she follows him. It gets kind of, again, gritty um, in the same way that Kevin Kniff himself does. It gets kind of gritty and real, and she becomes wrapped up in a 
local news scandal um, and falls in love with the limelight. So it's a discussion of what we do when we fall in love with being a local celebrity. Mm. Um, It's kind of like Chicago when Roxy Hart (laughs) gets obsessed with being a media darling. It's it's Mm -hmm. the same um, kind of feel. And it's another just fascinating look at a woman who's fallen apart and taking, you know, just interesting means um, and interesting roads to get love and justification and validation. Um, Hmm. It's, but it's also like the classic Alice and Janney kind of humor where it's very real, but it's also like laced in cynicism and Mm -hmm. laced in like well you can just go where the sun don't shine that kind of thing it's aquafina's in it wanda sykes (gasps) is in it i love aquafina and wanda sykes it's it's kind of it's also very simple it's like it's like if breaking bad were taken up a notch like it's not quite (laughs) as terrifying (laughs) but it has that same kind of sense of humor as well and I really liked it. I found okay. it by accident on Hulu. And I I thought, oh, I'll turn this on and just fall asleep. And I stayed up super late watching it because oh. it was really good. High praise. Yeah. If it keeps Aaron awake, it I must mean, be good. <laughs> I mean, if we, I fall asleep to literally, it's a shock that I'm not asleep right now. Like, <laughs> I fall asleep to <laughs> So what do I have left to talk about? I guess I could talk about passing because um, this is by far like kind of the heaviest Mm -hmm. thing I have on my list. So we'll talk about this and then so we won't be ending on like a heavier note. So yeah. Um, So passing uh, is a film on Netflix. Uh, It's based on a novel of the same name by Nella Larson, which was published in 1929. Oh, wow. Yes. So the 1920s. And the title Passing comes from this, like, cultural practice that Black people in, like, the early 20th century, I think, like, mostly in the 20s and 30s, where, like, if they, if a Black person was, like, light-skinned enough, they could, quote-unquote, pass for white. And they would do this, you know, usually kind of as a means of, like, survival yeah but also they might do this in certain situations just to kind of help like their that social interaction be you know easier which you know like there are like many different reasons why black people would choose to pass um back then sure so the story is uh, the main character is irene who in the movie is played by tessa thompson who we yeah. love. Yeah. Love her so much. Um, and so she's a, I'm, I'm not sure if, if it's ever said if she's mixed or if she's just very light skinned black woman um, who occasionally will pass for white to kind of, you know, like get like a slight advantage in certain social situations. And then she meets Claire, who was her friend, like from childhood, um, and Claire has been passing for white all the time for several years at this point when they when they reconnect. And Claire is married to a white man who is like 
very openly racist, yeah. um, which was, you know, which was like the norm back then for white yeah. people, I think. And so Irene is immediately put in this situation where like she's in real danger, like her life is in real danger. Yeah. Um, and so like all of her connections with Claire, like their their relationship kind of develops as as Claire kind of tries to reconnect with the black community, which she's been living apart from for so long because she's been passing as white. Um, And just like the, the kind of identity issues that kind of come with this idea of like your racial identity. And there's also like a lot of uh, gender um, kind of woven up in this as well. Yeah. um, As these two women are navigating this, society that is both very white supremacist and very misogynistic um and yeah it's i think i feel like it was just a beautiful like it's a beautifully shot movie first of all it's in black and white it's i believe it's rebecca hall's directorial debut um and so like it looks beautiful and there's just like I don't know how to like <laughs> describe it exactly. So like all of the like all of these interactions that all of these situations that we see Irene put into where there's like all this tension. It's yeah. almost like a Hitchcock movie in a way right. because like there's like all this tension under the surface yeah. in all these situations but she has to like maintain this like you know facade of calm and like docility yeah it's um and obviously you know as a white woman I can't completely relate to everything um but like I I felt like it puts you like in that space very very well like you felt it yeah so like yes very well it's on Netflix okay um Yes, very good. Also read the book. Um, oh, cool. There's a book. I awesome. D- yes. The book is from 1929. Um, yes, you And yes. I, <laughs> I d- had not even heard of the book until like after I graduated from college, which I think is like honestly outrageous because yeah, <laughs> like it's sure. such an important work. Sure. Um, you know, Nella Larson was a black woman writing in the 1920s. Yeah. Like, I think this book should be taught instead of The Great Gatsby, honestly. Like, right. you can yeah. use it to teach the same, like, literary themes and concepts yeah. as The Great Gatsby, but it's a better book, <laughs> frankly. Right. Um, and, you know, a more important book, I think. Or you could, you know, you could teach them side by side. That would work really well as well. Yeah, But sure. yes, so passing uh, the book and the movie. Yes, the movie is on Netflix. Okay. So I'm now embarrassed that I fully listened as you said it's a book and then like <laughs> I'm like a goldfish five minutes later. There's a book. It's fine. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. Less when perfect, you have left. Nine perfect strangers and also the chair. Um, okay. Are they connected at all? No, I just oh. have, I just they're they're two very different things. I'll go Nine Perfect Strangers. So (laughs) Nine Perfect Strangers. Imagine a world where you live in Los Angeles. Imagine a world. (laughs) Imagine a world where you live in Los Angeles and you go to one of those. um, I would hate to live in Los Angeles. 
I'm. I just spent the last half of last week in Los Angeles, and I was miserable <laughs> the <Aww>. whole time. <laughs> it takes so long to get anywhere. It takes an hour to get anywhere. It's true. Like, what is? Who decided that this was okay? I'm... I miss it so much there. <laughs> Hi, Los Angeles. How are you? It's terrible. That's it's how it the, is. It's the best. <laughs> so Nine Perfect Strangers plays into the kind of, I'm just going to say it, the kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow goop. <gasps> <laughs> um, or like um, Annabelle Porter on Parks and Rec. <laughs> ex- yes. The kind of, the cult of the like lifestyle celebrity appropriated or... in the uh-huh. incorrect way sure, sure, um sure. lifestyle so uh, nicole kidman leads a will like a a wellness retreat for very rich people so melissa mccarthy plays a writer who is in the process of losing her book deal and is kind of becoming disenfranchised with the books that she writes and also with her life as she gets a little bit older. And then you meet like a bunch of, you meet, you know, you might say nine perfect strangers who are all um, escaping a tragedy. You have a family um, who have lost a this son. This is sounding kind of like an Agatha Christie setup. Sure. 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 Very much so. So you have like, Kind of like the family from Little Miss Sunshine. You have like that kind of dysfunction. Love that movie. I know it's so good. Um, <laughs> and then you have a couple who are kind of, and I've heard that they're very different in the book. I'm set to read the book, but um, you have like a like a millennial couple who are like she's an Instagram model and mm. he's um, I'm I don't remember what he did for work, but they're very much like into that lifestyle. And then she's facing inner demons about being a model and about oh, all of the things we do to women and men and mm. um, everyone in all across the gender binary or, or non-existent gender binary about mm-hmm. what we all should look like. And then there's like a guy who has demons in his past. There's just a bunch of nine perfect strangers who are trying to run from something. And they meet this woman who, who, like, it begins very innocently, like, we're gonna drink these juice, we're gonna go on a juice cleanse. <laughs> drink and these Kool-Aids. To, we're gonna drink this Kool-Aid. Um, and then you find out that their drinks are being spiked and they're having these, like, hallucinations. And then it, it just turns into a bad situation where they're trying to escape and you find out that like Nicole Kidman had ulterior motives as well and she also experienced deep tragedy in her own life that has made her just want to run away from the life that she had by any means necessary but she does I she's a she goes through real legitimate trauma, but then she does create a cult. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's really... When you um, accidentally create a cult. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a... You're going to have a bad time. Um, <laughs> and it's just really interesting. It's another one where it kind of all gets folded in. You don't really know what to expect by the end. It kind of feels like you went on this... Um, 
this holistic retreat yourself by the end. Mm. But it's just really interesting. And like Melissa McCarthy does such a good job of being funny, but also real and also cynical and also like my life is really falling apart and I'm really Mm -hmm. upset. Yeah, it's really, really good. Well, the only thing I have left now, so I I put this all as one item when we were trying <laughs> to like keep our lists, you know, to a certain number. So I just said that collectively, all three of the Marvel movies that I saw this year, yeah, um, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so Black Widow, Shang Chi, and Eternals. I did not see uh, Spider Man No Way Home. I. I'm not interested in Spider-Man. Uh, I keep seeing people say that it's like really good or whatever. I'm like, sure. I have no desire to see this. Anyway, so. Sure. <laughs> but these three movies, I felt like all three of them. So I think we saw two of them together, right? We, we sure did. Black yeah. Widow and Shang-Chi together. And I think all three of them represent like something new in the MCU that was very much necessary. Yeah. Like Black Widow, I think honestly I think it's too little too late, you know, in like in the grand scheme like she should have had her own movie, you know, 7 years ago. Um right. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous that uh that Black Widow didn't have her own movie until 2021. Yeah. And, and like, in the timeline of the MCU, she's already dead, and this is, like, a flashback of a movie, and it's so... Right. Yeah, so it feels, like, a little bit hollow, like, a little, you know, too little, too late in the context of the entire universe, but I, I felt like the movie itself was really great. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I loved, like, the, like, kind of the new... Not new exactly, but like different for the MCU take on this kind of journey. Like it wasn't an origin story. Right. Um, You know, it wasn't like this really Marvel kind of has their own template now that Uh like more or less falls into like a hero's journey pattern. And it wasn't that. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought all the performances were great. And also, just, like, just the, like, opening credits sequence alone with that cover of, uh, is it Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana? Yes. Just that by itself was enough to, like, elevate this movie. I was like, yes, this is so perfect. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, like, freaked out at that. Yeah. Yes. That was so good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then Shang-Chi, you know, I think yes. adhered a little bit more closely to that Marvel formula, but but you know, did that really well. Yeah. Um like we still had that kind of third act uh CGI, you know, fight scene. It was like it was <laughs> fine, like it was well done and like and you know, it's kind of like we talked about with a wrinkle in time. Like, how do you do this without CGI? Like, you can't. Like, well, yeah. How? <laughs> and <would you? laughs> and also just like all the performances in Shang Chi were also really great. Like yeah. the characters were fun and relatable, and Aquafina yes. is great. The relationship <laughs> building is lovely in that one. Yeah, it is, and especially for 
you know, this is true of Shang-Chi and Eternals. Like, these are characters we haven't seen before in the MCU. And so, like, I think that MCU fans have kind of come to expect that characters are introduced in... Uh, you know, in a previous movie and then get their own movie. Like that's, yeah. it, it feels like that's what, what a lot of fans expect. But I, th- I don't think that that's necessary to do it that way. Right. And I think that Shang-Chi proves that because these are all brand new characters. And yet we, uh, you know, we come to know them, we come to love them. And uh, I mean, this is, like, not even mentioning, like, how important Shang-Chi was for, like, Asian-American representation. Of course. Um, you know, fantastic. Um, you know, I've talked to and seen and read, you know, things from a lot of um, of my Asian-American friends and just Asian-American fans in general who, like, felt so seen by this movie and felt like it was, like... Uh, that the representation was really well done. So yeah. that that in itself is is really important as well. And then Eternals. Did you see did you end up seeing Eternals? I haven't yet. Okay. Yeah, this one I think was the most different. Okay. Um from any MCU movie. It was definitely there were definitely some things that I think could have been done differently like pacing wise and like narrative structure wise okay but at the same time i can understand what it was trying to do differently in in those areas yeah and i really appreciate that it's more mythical than the rest of the mcu okay um and I think it also has some of the best relationship building in okay. in the series as well. So, yes, Eternals. I do definitely want to see it. I don't know how I ha- haven't. You know, it's one of the like you mm-hmm. said. There's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. What's happening? <laughs> there's a lot that I wanted to see and read and didn't because you know it just didn't didn't have the time or didn't have the opportunity. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't finish Wheel of Time. Yeah. I still want to. Yeah. It's it's real good. Well, you didn't didn't finish. (laughs) Well, but but I feel that I have because I'm... Mm. I'm just going to brag again. I've, I've read 707 pages <laughs> of the first one. Um, uh-huh. So yes. only like 12 more books of a thousand pages each to go. <laughs> I think it's even more like 17 more, more books. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm in it now. Like who has I'm... time for that? Honestly, tell me, <laughs> like show you me know... the person who has time to read the entire Wheel of Time book series. Yeah. I, um, a superhero, like, yeah. Speed I feel reader. like, oh, I wish I, oh my gosh, I wish I was a speed reader. But like, <laughs> your book rule, though, if you don't give up in the first 100 pages, you're in it. Like, yeah. I'm 707 pages in. Yeah. I didn't it, well, I didn't see a, a lot of things that I really wanted to this year. I really wanted to see Cruel Summer. Mm. I really wanted to see We Never Made It to Candyman. We never Man. saw Candyman. Ugh. 
I really, really wanted to see Last Night in Soho. Me like, too. I, I also really wanted to see Nightmare Alley. Um, yes. Very, I, very recently released, I think. So I think we can I've still been, see that in a theater. We should, because I've been we trying should. to get over to my local indie theater to yes. go see it. And the I grand. never made it. We should go see it. Yeah. Okay, let's go see Nightmare Alley. Yeah. It looks it. Tony Collette's in it. <gasps> oh, yeah. my gosh. Yes. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Guillermo del Toro, who's, you know, one of my another like, you know, big director who released a movie in 2021 that like hardly anyone went to see because yeah. uh, we just don't. Ha- yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, did, did you have any yeah. least favorites of the year? Least favorites? You know, I was trying to think about if. There was anything that was a least favorite. And, you know, honestly, I think I've gotten to the point that I'm really good at judging beforehand if I'm going to like something or not. Sure. So, like, I honestly, I don't think I read or saw anything that I didn't at least enjoy, you know? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, well, like, with books, if I'm not enjoying a book, I will stop reading it. Like, I won't finish it. By all means. Yeah. And, you know, same with TV series. With Mm -hmm. movies, if you're seeing it at a theater, it's a little bit like you stand up and walk out. Um, But I (laughs) I didn't do that. But, yeah, I think I've, like, I've figured out my own taste well enough that I know going into something that I'm at least going to find you know, a medium level of enjoyment in something. Yeah. Sure, so sure. I don't think I really had any least favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Did you? I I have a half answer. Okay. Have you seen The Chair? I have not. So it follows Sandra O oh as she <gasps> becomes um, the first woman of color to oh, lead. Oh, wait. No, Turner. yes, I have seen this. <gasps> I did watch this. I forgot that that was the title, but yes, I have watched this. <laughs> and it's really good until the ending made me throw things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like, I think Sandra O oh is a vision in it. I think she is really wonderful in it. I think she's so great. The, I think the conversation that's being had about how much do I actually in my first year of a job, how much can I actually like make change that's mm-hmm. necessary? So I think that yeah conversation was really good. I don't think they went as far as they should have there. Right. And I also, I also think... oh, go ahead. Oh, I just the ending I'm still mad yeah. about. I also felt like I wanted this to be Sandra O's story, but it kind of turns mm-hmm. into not her story mm-hmm. and that's what frustrated me about it like I saw yeah. so much potential and like the like so much of it like like scenes where she's like interacting with her students or like you know like the whole storyline with her dad and her daughter like I yes. loved that yes. um but like when it starts to become more about this male professor mm-hmm. and his whole thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, why does that become the story? I, yeah. yeah. So yes, I agree. I was disappointed in and where, in the direction that it went. She gets sucked into his BS. Yes. So I she don't very think much does. 
And that character wouldn't have done that. I don't think the character was written the way it should have been. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I felt like the character was, that character was, like, perfectly, you know, like, a perfectly fine character. Like, he was likable, and I liked them together until it started to be about his thing. That's when I was like, no. (laughs) And then she gives, like... The position is no longer hers by the end mm-hmm. of the show. And mm-hmm. I just. Yeah, it's like, what are they, what is the message they're trying to send here? Right. That's what I want to know. Like, what is, the messaging is very muddled, I think. By the end, it's given to a white woman. Like, mm-hmm. eh, no, I, and there's no, like, as the credits play, they're like joking and we're supposed to believe that that's okay. I think instead of having a conversation about why that's incorrect, it's kind of just like, oh, (laughs) I'm going to go sit on a bench with this guy. Yeah. I I don't. So maybe, I mean, as much as it it was frustrating, I kind of want there to be a season two so that they can fix those things. (laughs) Sure. Like, I just want everything fixed. And I mean, in a sense, you could say that, like, okay, well, that's kind of realistic. Like, that yeah. is kind of what ends up happening to a lot of people of color who are, yeah. you know, the only non-white person in the room or one of, you know, one of only two non-white people in yeah. this room. That is often what happens. Absolutely. Um, so it's, you know, I think it's realistic, but it's not, it's not, you know uplifting or hopeful I guess which I mean not that like every single piece of media has to be you know optimistic but I think our world needs optimism right now yeah I just yeah yeah absolutely and that is so like I wish I wish that then they would have had a conversation in a more stark realistic way when Mm, that happened because it kind of just feels like they put a bow on it to my reading was that like oh it's given to this woman and now she's leaving and she's Mm. giggling on the snow with this awful guy like and everything's okay and (laughs) it's all fine like mm, yeah but it is definitely the experience you know Mm -hmm. um freaking damia yeah anyway um anyway yeah (laughs) I was going to say, should we wrap this up? We do. We did have some music we wanted to talk about, but we are running a little long. We are. So do we want to just each pick one album to do like a quick 30 second? Here's why you should listen to this. Yes. Okay. You can go first. Okay. Celeste, Not Your Muse. Um, There's a song called Strange and it is... It was featured in Ted Lasso in one of the saddest mm. moments of the whole show. Um, I still have not watched Ted Lasso oh gosh, at it's all. So much, it's so much more than you'll have, you think it is. Um, <laughs> Celeste, Not Your Muse is very jazzy and um, the, the lyrics are all just about the lyrics are just so interesting. I can't even it just go. It's so it's a whole mood. It's so good. Listen <laughs> to it. OK, I will. <laughs> I do like Celeste, but I haven't heard that album. So. Yeah. Um, for my one album, I um I'm going to pick Red Taylor's version. Yes. Um, by Taylor Swift. Um the okay. I think 
we've had a lot of discourse about the 10 minute version of all too well mm-hmm. um and also the short film that she made uh-huh. and how everyone hates jake gyllenhaal again as they should sure, um, sure. <laughs> um but yeah like i feel like So we talked about this a little bit, I think, in our Romeo and Juliet episode, where we talked about uh, Taylor's version, uh, her re-recorded version of Love Story. Yeah. Where, you know, like, you hear the, the development, like, the, the... like there's more maturity in her voice in these re-recorded versions, which I find just so satisfying. Yeah. And I think it's such an interesting, I mean, like the reason why she's re-recording her albums is so that she will then own the masters of her music, which, you know, that's great and everything. But also I think it's just such an interesting endeavor to like revisit this music that she wrote when she was, you know, like 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, now she's in her 30s like us and she's revisiting these songs that she wrote at this very different stage of her life right but now she has kind of the benefit of hindsight and hearing her as like a I don't know how I think she's like 32 um hearing like a 32 year old sing about what she was experiencing at 19 it just like it's all of our experience in a way because like if yeah. you if you listened to, I don't know if you listened to Taylor Swift like back totally. in her early days yeah but like it's kind of like us listening to that now but like she's kind of in on that with us now because she, right yeah I don't know how to say it exactly no like, yeah. you know what, you know what I mean you know what I mean um but yeah I just and there's also on Red Taylor's version. There's several new songs that, like, she originally wrote for Red, but didn't put on the album because it was, you know, there was too much already. Sure, um, sure. But then, like, she has, like, one that she did, um, she recorded with Phoebe Bridgers for this Ooh. album. It's so good. Um, yeah, Ooh. a couple other people that she worked with to, to do these, you know, previously unheard songs. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you know, uh, the ten minute version of All Too Well is also very satisfying. Nice <laughs> to listen to. Yeah, and that was way longer than thirty seconds. But anyway, I like. Yes. yes. Listen to Red Taylor's version. Um. Okay. Well, you couldn't just do thirty seconds on an extended version of an well, album. No. <laughs> no. Yes. Anyway. Well, oh, that is, I think we have sufficiently discussed 2021. What do you all think? All I'm saying is 2022, you don't even have to be wonderful. Just be better. Yeah. Just, <laughs> please. <laughs> you don't even have to be good. Just come through, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Well, listeners, if you've stuck with us through these rambling two hours, 
<laughs> Thank you. We hope it provided the catharsis you needed. Indeed. Yeah. And, you know, we want to hear what your favorite yeah. stuff from 2021 was. So uh, we'll put, you know what? I think we can put a Q&A on Spotify, on the Spotify Ooh. page for this episode. Or, you know, we can just do a post on Instagram and you can comment. So we'll do yeah. well, we'll do one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not both. That's too much work. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Let us know what your favorite stuff of 2021 was. Um, yeah. Because there are some, yeah. And least favorite. Tell and us about your least favorite, too. Least favorite is, is, as my friend Nicole and I say, we text through movies all the time. And the only thing we've loved outright is um, the Muppets Haunted Mansion. Everything else we find fault with, except the Muppets. <laughs> so, yes. As you should. As you as, should. Yes. <laughs> the Muppets are the only good thing in this world. <laughs> They're the best. Uh, well... Well, friends, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Take yeah, care baby. Of each other, please. Um, <laughs> I think those Animaniacs is like Austin Powers as uh, Mark Anthony. And oh he's my like, gosh. friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's hilarious. Animaniacs. Uh, what a time. What a time. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, be safe out there, friends. Go if you can go to the movies safely. Yes, that that's a great experience. It is a matinee. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, we have our Devil Wears Prada series coming up. We so, do. yes, that will be the rest of January. Yeah. So it's gonna be fun. Florals your- for spring, groundbreaking. <laughs> Get out your banging Olafson phone and, and <laughs> call someone as we... I, it fell apart, but I just wanted to say it's banging Olafson. I got it. Yes. <laughs> I got it. You're good. <laughs> All right, friends. Goodbye. Bye. Adieu. And we will adieu, adieu to you and you and you. Okay. All right. Um, good. <laughs> Have a lovely uh, day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Goodbye.